2: Ronananian. car with no codes. And not every car will have a code. You just gotta go back to logic. In the case of EVAP, you always gotta think. Front door, back door, cup of coffee, vent hole, clear, yes, no, and kinda take it from there. All I wanted was a car. All I wanted was a car. The Car Doctor. You can actually mute the sound uh, it's something about turn the ignition switch on buckle and unbuckle the seatbelt three times and then cycle the key back off in 10 seconds and you can affect how and when the seatbelt chime goes on I don't, I don't know why they program this in there I <laughs> brother it's beyond me I okay. just I
0: would make it work or not work. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But
2: I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Technology, technology, technology. It seems it's all I'm talking about today. I, um, we had a 2019, no, I'm sorry, we had a 2008, <laughs> wrong car. Had a 2008 Jeep, real quick, I'll tell you this story. Um, had a 2008 Jeep Grand Cherokee. This week, and the c- complaint was the power door locks would unlock but not lock. And it was the same from the key fob versus the button in the door. It was a strange diagnosis. It was a combination of everything I've ever done to a vehicle in terms of trying to find a solution. We used a scan tool, used a multimeter, um, proved that my multimeter is finally outdated because I could actually watch the minimum voltage reading drop faster on a scope than I could on the meter. The meter couldn't keep up with the LIN network or the CAN network bus on the, that was running the power door locks, and I kind of was playing with it. just I wanted to see the failure because I've been looking for it. I knew it was coming. I knew the line in the sand was there somewhere. I knew my meter was going to run out of... Out of itself, there wouldn't have enough oomph to keep up with how fast things change. And long story short, I was able to watch on a scan tool. I was able to watch when I hit the power door lock switch, command yes, command no, lock, unlock. I could see all the commands. I could see the signal get sent to the instrument cluster because the instrument cluster was the module on this 08 Jeep Grand Cherokee SRT8 that was the brains of the operation, so to speak, that had authority to run the door lock actuators from the instrument cluster. It sent the signal out on pin 27, uh, light green, light blue wire leading up to coming out of the cluster, fed the door lock and unlock relay circuit, came out on pin 36 down to the door lock actuators. The stupidity of Jeep, I have to tell you, is that the. I said to myself, as, as I got into the diagnosis, I said, this is a bad unlock relay, or a bad lock relay, rather, I'm sorry. This is a bad lock relay. The stupidity of Jeep is they cast the lock relay as part of the under-junction box or under-fuse box on the left side of the steering column. So once I proved it was a bad lock relay, which I did, I pinned out, back-probed the signal in and the signal out, and I had no signal out but signal in, I got a bad junction box. You have to buy a whole junction box. You can't just buy a relay. It's cast in as part of the box. It's like, what were they thinking or not thinking? I don't think they were thinking. The sad part is the part's obsolete which had I been smarter and I called up Jeep in the first place and said, this is what I'm working on. By the way, tell me what parts are obsolete because that'll probably be the bad part, you know, because that's how it kind of works, right? Um, it, it was a bad junction box. The, the, the part went obsolete in 2018, which is all part of the we're going to get your old vehicle off the road campaign and um, we're not going to have to worry about whether or not you choose to buy a newer vehicle. You're going to have to, unless you go to eBay. We went out to eBay. We found a used junction box um, there seems to be a bunch of them out there purchased it it was under 200 bucks uh, it showed up at the shop on Friday we installed it customer's happy the car's fixed but what a strange diagnosis right not something you expect to see every day but uh, you know again as technology grows you couldn't lock this vehicle it, you know you could lock the four doors manually but there was no way to lock the rear hatch or unlock the rear hatch you couldn't open the rear hatch there was no provision for a you know, you needed to use the remote and it wouldn't work. You couldn't lock the back door. You could unlock it, rather, I'm sorry, but you couldn't lock it. You couldn't lock the rear hatch. What a pain in the neck. You know, I've said that for years, right? You look at some cars, they've got a key on one side, but they don't have a key on the other. They put one lock cylinder in the vehicle and then you're counting on the electronics as the vehicle gets, you know, goes down the road as it gets older. What do you do if something breaks? You have to fix it. So, but in any event. That was um, that was one of the repairs this week. I want to move along because we've got we've got a great interview down around the bottom of the hour. Philip Austin, he's the manager of technical training for NGK NTK. We're going to talk about the shop squad and some of the other things NGK and NTK bring to the automotive aftermarket. So uh, uh, we've got Philip in the wings in the in the in the green room. Is it the green room or the blue room, Tom? Green room. And uh, I want to move along here. So let's go over to uh, let's go over to Brian in Philly, a 2017 Ford Fusion and some lug nut issues not the not the most technology based problem in the world Brian but let's see what we can do for you here brother what's going on
3: hey Ron, how are you
2: good sir what's cooking
3: yeah, you need to ask me about cheesesteaks like you oh. always do I felt you know I felt a little off today well I
2: you know I tell you what I've been watching my rocky movies again and I I really have to come down I didn't realize that that was the steps to the Philadelphia Museum of Modern Art um, yes it is yeah it is so you know my my wife's into art so I'm gonna bring her I'm gonna tell her we're going down there to See the Museum of Modern Art, and then when she's not looking, I'm going to run up the steps in my Rocky T-shirt. So, well, if you got uh,
3: get che- you got to let me know where you where the che- if you want to know where cheesesteaks so are. I can tell you the good ones, not the tourist traps. So. Well, I'll tell you
2: what when i when I when I decide to go, it'll be in the spring, and um, I'll announce it here so you can call me and tell me who the current best cheesesteak is in Philly. Who's the current best cheesesteak in Philly right now? If I was there, right
3: now, I think. I think it's Jim Steaks, but they're closed due to a fire, so they're not reopening until mm. September. But I have a whole bunch for you. All I right. mean, like I said, the, the Pats and is the most famous. I don't think they're the best, but they're the most famous. Are, are they the but, ones uh, in the? Are
2: they the ones in the train station?
3: Nah, well, these two are right across from each other in South Philly. They're literally right across from each other, mm. and they're like the touristy ones. But
2: I, I might have to bring Tom with me. He'll take one. I'll take the other. We'll have a contest. Tom's smiling. I got Tom to smile today. So I'll
3: take it'll it'll be on me if you want.
2: Wow. <laughs> we'll meet up. How can I help you today, Brian?
3: Okay, this is a strange one. Two thousand seventeen Ford Fusion. Um, There's a place where I get my tires, the replacement tires. I've been going here for a number of years, right? And I went for my free rotation. They said we got a problem, and I asked what, and they said we can't get the lug nuts off. I said, what do you mean? They said, "Well, you know, they're plastic and they've worn out, and this happens." And I said, "Can you guys replace it?" And they said, "No, we, we don't. We don't have the tools to do it." And I said, "Dude, you're a tire place. I've, I've known you guys for years." And they said, "Well, this is what happens." And I'm like, "Okay." And I said, "You know, I think I have a leak." They said, "Yeah, yeah, we, we were able to uh, plug your tire without taking it off." you know no charge for you of course so and i was like um, I'm, okay but this i have never heard anything like this
2: well i'm wondering if they're saying when they call it plastic is it an aluminum capped lug nut which i think it is i think it's just a, a stamped steel cap over a steel bodied lug and they're they're calling it plastic it's not really plastic it's a decorative cap of some kind and it gets distorted um but i believe it's going to be aluminum or stamped steel now, common problem, real big problem. We see a lot of it. Uh, there's a company out there. The final solution, if you can't get them off, is from a company called Lug Ripper. L U G R L-U-G-R-I-P-P-E-R, I P P E R. Lugripper.com. They make a variety of tools that will. Um, it, it, it's it's a fixed arbor that goes over the outside of the lug, and you'll drill right down through. It's a little costly because you're going to have to replace, you know, the lug and the nut. And if you've got to do twenty of them, if there's you know if this is five lugs per wheel, this is going to cost a bit. So we're hoping that we can find a a secondary solution. But lug ripper will get it off so that you don't damage the wheel. All right, they've got two versions of that tool. Um, You might want to find a good mechanical shop that's got something like this. Uh, The first version didn't work as well. The secondary version provides a much sharper carbide bit, and it just cuts right through the lugs. That being said, all right. There is also a socket kit out there. You know, most lug nuts are either 19 millimeter, 21 millimeter, and so forth. There's a socket set out there. Snap-on sells it, and some of the other tool distributors sell it, that is odd size. So there'll be a 19, a 19 and a half, a 21, a 21 and a half. There's a 17, a 17 and a half. They've got all half sizes in millimeters so that if you can just, you know, get the lug onto the socket, all right, it'll at least have something to grip is there a problem do you know that they can't get it on or they can't get it to grip
3: i, I you know what i don't even know that you know but one thing i noticed i have a regular mechanic you right. know i have a uh, i have a mechanic it used to be a Texaco station that's how long i go back with them right. and um, I, I you know i had the inspection a month before this and um, they you know they took you know for inspection they took the tires off did the rear brake replacement they didn't mention a problem
2: so was the kid at the Texaco, was he the new kid that day? Unfortunately, not to throw darts, but was he a little zealous with the gun? Before we get too crazy here, I would go talk to your regular mechanic. And okay. and and the one thing I would be cautious about is instead of counting on the air gun or the cordless gun or, or what they're using to do right. this, all right, is I would get the car on the ground, apply the parking brake, um, you know, get a lug nut that's got some good bite and grip to it, and I would put, you know, my my big, long, I've got a three-foot, half-inch breaker bar. I've also got a three-foot, three-quarter-inch breaker bar because it's got more mass to it, all right? And I would try taking them off by hand, uh, you know, because sometimes you just need that steady pull versus the bang, bang, bang of the gun. The bang, bang, bang of the gun is what distorted the lug nut in the first place so uh you know you could try a little pb blaster if they're rusted and corroded and let them soak pb blaster will work great if there's any rust or corrosion factor involved here i mean that's a given but the concerns are can you get bite can you get enough oomph all right and you know how many of them are like this and you know by doing it like this if the wheels were just off i've got to think they're going to come off i got to think maybe somebody was a little zealous in putting them on and Maybe this tire shop uh, didn't really want to apply themselves or didn't want to get involved for whatever reason. You know, anytime somebody says it can't be done, I always question what aren't they seeing or what aren't they looking at. So I don't know that I'd get too hopped up yet. Let your regular guy and, look at it. Um, and this is
3: a tire shop. They've been around for years. They've got a great reputation. They've yep. always treated me great. No, you know, I understand. You know, like, yeah. well, I, like I said, it, it just seems very odd to me. Yeah, you
2: know, just, it, uh, it, it
3: does. It does. like... It seems like something like they don't want to take the time and the labor to do. You
2: Bingo. Know. Bingo. Yeah, that's what they're, I thought. You know, it's it's you know, it's kinda like the difference between and not not to condemn, you know, Minute Clinic, but it's kinda like going to C V S Minute Clinic for a vaccine versus going right. to your regular doctor. You know, yeah, they're good for the quick stuff, but you know, if there's a complication if something's a little cockeyed, not so much. Right. So
3: but yeah, you know, I have a mechanic I trust. You know, good manics are, as you said, are priceless. You yep. know, I have I'm lucky to have that, and I know they would give me the they would give me the straight up. Yeah,
2: and that's where I th- and that's where I think your next stop is. Do that, Brian. I'm here if you need me. But remember, if you right. want to see a video on it, get out to LugRipper.com. At least it's entertaining with a cup of coffee to watch the insanity of trying to take off some old lug nuts that don't want to come loose. All right, Sounds
3: kiddo. Good. Okay, man. Thank you.
2: You're very you're very welcome. You be well. I'm Ron Ananey and Annie in the car, doctor. We're back right after this. Don't go away.
1: at purdueglobal.edu. It's the little old lady
0: from Pasadena.
4: He drives that way, but when it comes to fixing cars, Ron has car advice done right.
2: 855-560-9900. Here's Ron. Hey, let's cruise over to Tom in Maryland. Tom, what's going on? How can I help you? Ron and Annie, at your service. Hey, hey, Doc. This yes, sir. Dog got...
5: Shoes. I don't know if they're inter they're related or not. Okay. I have a '97 Honda CRV, which I bought new. Uh, the key fob will unlock the driver's door and uh, uh, lock and unlock it. It will not lock and unlock or do the uh, the driver's door, the passenger door, or the other doors. I have to manually do the. Uh, lock them and open them. Now, the driver's door, the key will not work and unlock the door, but the fob will. The driver's, the passenger side, the fob won't unlock it, but the key will. Now, it goes along with that. I have a speaker on the, the driver's side uh, for the radio. It's working. The one on the passenger side is not. Now, uh, see where the harness is there. The, the little tube, you know, covers it up. And I knew when you opened it, you'd open the door. On the uh, passenger side, the radio would, the speaker would work. Uh, then one day, it, uh, I opened the door and touched, touched the little, uh, you know, little bag of thing there, and. Uh-huh. Now it doesn't so it doesn't work. So I have a speaker on the the radio uh, speaker on the driver's side works, not on the left. And then the, the issue with the fob. Okay.
2: Here's where here's here's where we're here's where we're going. First of all, in 97, this is 97 you said, correct, right?
5: Yes, brand, I bought it brand new the first one to come out.
2: Okay, higher mileage? How many miles are on it? Uh, two hundred fifteen thousand. Yeah, it always is. Um, we're probably <laughs> we, we we'd probably have limited scan tool access to information, but if I had my choice, I would just want to look to see can I can I get any door inputs? Can I see any power lock function requests? Things like that. Things I basically talked about in the open on the Jeep. I would want to just go through the same steps with you. You know, I always diagnose everything the same. If there's ten steps, I always go step one through ten. I never jump to two or five or or, or six. So that being said, I don't think a scan tool is going to help us much here. Um, but one step at a time, I want to look at a wiring diagram. Now, I want to know, because in 97, the dealers were installing aftermarket power door locks. You know, there was there was the option of, and some of them had aftermarket install kits. Is it factory Honda lock, unlock, remote, or is it dealer, um, is it, is it, you know, is it aftermarket? Is it aftermarket or, 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 or uh, right from Honda? And you may not know it. The fob may look factory. The fob may look like it's, you know, correct for the vehicle. You don't know it. So you almost have to play with matching the wiring and, you know, just be aware. Um, unless you know for a well, fact that it e- came with factory.
5: Well, it's an EX, and all the EXs at the time I knew came. Now, I couldn't tell it factory, but, I mean, but all the EXs uh, I had looked at on three different lots, Uh, all the exits had the power doors and power locks.
2: Right. Well, and they would, but you wouldn't know if it was dealer installed or factory installed. So, And I only say that because as we get into wiring, and if the wiring doesn't make any sense to us, that could be the answer. That we're looking at an incorrect wiring diagram. We're looking at a wiring diagram for a car with factory wiring, and it's got aftermarket. And you may not be able to find something, so it makes the job a little more difficult. Chances are you've got factory. Oh. Fa- chances are you've got factory install, but I just want to put it out there as a possibility. All right. First place I want right. to go. First place I want to go is I want to look at the wiring in the driver's door jam. You know, you said when you open and close uh, driver's door, or passenger door, different things start to work and not work.
5: Well, the passenger when it was the passenger side. The speaker uh, would work, and then it wouldn't. Now, the and the driver's side, uh, the like, you can oh, the lock. Well, you can't unlock it with the key, but you right. can with the fob.
2: Well, I think that's a, I think you've got a lock cylinder issue. But I'm I'm trying to focus on the door lock and unlock problem right now, if I can, uh-huh. if I can, Tom. I want to look at the driver's door. There's a black rubber boot that sits between the door and the A pillar. All right. Yeah. I want to try and prop that back or get that open. I'm willing to bet we've got a broken yellow red wire coming out of the power door lock control module, and that's that's or it's barely making contact or it's shorting. Uh, that that's actually causing a problem. I'm betting you've got some broken wires in the driver's door and they're going to have to be repaired and once you repair those you can then crawl around to the other side of the car if you can replicate or if you can with the door open if you can gently and this is either side if you can gently pull prod manipulate that rubber boot and see a different response where maybe you get the some locks to work and some things not to work and then all of a sudden they do work you've got broken wiring there the fact is the driver's door locks and unlocks on a separate wiring circuit than the right front and both rear doors the right front and wow. both rear doors are actually on the same circuit so there's a commonality there so i would focus on that first and see if that eliminates and you know stops some of your other problems from happening and then give me a call back and uh, we'll kind of take it from there so good luck to you let me know what happens uh you know coming up next phil boston the NGK, NTK Manager of Technical Training. Phil's stopping by. We're going to talk all about it. Stay put. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
1: at purdueglobal.edu.
2: Welcome back, listeners. Ron Amini and the Car Doctor. You know, our next guest has been around the automotive industry for a long time. Philip Austin is the manager of technical training for NGK, but he's done it all. He's been an OE tech. He's been a shop owner. He's a trade school instructor. He's a, he develops technical content. He has done it all, and we're glad to have him with us here today on The Car Doctor to talk about training. Philip, Philip Austin, welcome to The Car Doctor, sir. We're glad to have you. Thank you. So, you know, the technicians out there, what do they go through? What's in, what's involved? What do you think the challenges are for the technicians of today and, and, and tomorrow to be trained and competent on the automobiles that we're driving today?
4: Well, today, technology is constantly evolving. So, uh, there are challenges, and the challenges all around staying up to date, which training is that solution. So. Uh, here at NGK, our uh, main focus is to support that, and as we get feedback and stay close to the field and the professionals, and, and understand what the technology changing and it frustrates the customers, and also is a challenge for the professionals and servicing them. You know, uh, we're in a position to to support that, and that's the biggest challenge: staying up to date, and that's where. Training right because of, if, if
2: he if he doesn't have training he can't fix the car and then he's and then he's swapping parts you you know you you were an instructor you've developed technical training uh you know ten years ago versus today how much more information I- I- is there in a percentage you know if 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 there was oh you know x number of pages of new information ten years ago has that number grown by x and fifty percent x and a hundred percent x and 200 percent? How much more information is there for a technician to be involved with from just 10 years ago?
4: Oh, I can't even put a number on it. Right. Because uh, as soon as I do, it will change. So, And it would change as far as increasing. Right. So the complexity of the vehicles, due to the EPA standards <clears throat> and manufacturers are trying to go uh, land above that, uh, it is increasing by the year. So it is a very very high um
2: exponentially it just goes up every year oh
4: uh, every year every time a new model gear comes out there is some sort of enhancement that trickles down to the complexity of the engine so when those cars are out of warranty the technician has to be well equipped and informed in order to address that technology and the possible issues with
2: it is 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 this part of the basis why ngk created the shop squad you know ngk ntk recently launched the shop squad what is the shop squad is is this the basis point of why it was created pretty much
4: pretty much because we thought of various terms and we wanted to be different we ran the data we did the research there's a technician shortage out there. There's shops that are struggling to stay in business and make a profit while servicing their customers. Uh, so we're saying, hey, listen, we manufacture on the OE side and also on the side of directly to um, the shops and uh, and, the, and the parts uh, organizations. And we want to develop a squad. So, hey, if you need assistance in these areas, stay afloat. Your training, support we're the squad to call shop squad to come and help with the pain points of the industry and the core of it is training and support uh on both technical side and shop management side
2: right because there's more than just there's more than just training involved right there's there's other benefits to shop squad what do do members receive if they become a shop squad member
4: yes so by them, uh, simply signing up, and yes, it's a shop squad, so um, the elements of the shop's technician, shop owner, and also the, the end user, the customer that's burning their vehicle to be uh, serviced. So we have three different elements of sharing information. So if there is some sort of void, we try to fill it. And it's all based on feedback. So we want them to join into this community where we could play a role as the Shop Squad coming in and servicing our community members that's within Shop Squad. We hear their pain points and we're trying to address them. So, with our research before it kicked off, the major pain point was keeping up with all these different types of technologies. So, our training piece is leading the way within that aspect of Shop Squad. But the other elements is creating a community to get feedback, share information, and continue to grow the support. Or shops
2: servicing their customers. So, and for those of you just tuning in, we're talking to Philip Austin. He's the manager of technical training for NGK. Um, Philip, let's let's pull away and take a pause. But when we come back, I want you to answer this question. Right, the, the the tech out there who's you know he's he's doing heavy car repairs, he's doing engines and transmissions, but he wants to get more into drivability. He wants to get more involved in ignition. All right, can he learn from NGK technical training? Hold that thought. All right, keep that in your head. I'm Ron and the car doctor. I'm here with Philip Austin, manager of technical training for NGK and TK. We'll both return right after this. Don't go away.
1: at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, hey,
2: hey, we're back, listeners. Ron Anini and the car doctor at your service. We're here with Philip Boston. He's the manager of technical training for NGK and TK. And we're, we're having a chat about, well, training and the need for it and what the technicians of today and tomorrow are facing and uh, some of the things the DIYers out there are facing as well. Philip, when we pulled away, the conversation was about the tech. You know, he's out there. He's been the heavy engine guy. He's been the transmission guy. He's doing all the heavy grunt work, so to speak. And um, now, you know, the boss says to him, "You know, listen, Joe. I want you to get more involved in ignition. I want you to get more involved in drivability. Can NGK and NTK, you know, the technical training, can they provide that to him via shop squad?" Yes,
4: and,
2: absolutely.
4: And he, how do they? How, do they, how are they going to do that? Yeah. You phrased it very well. We're going to do that by concentrating on just what you said, Uh, that bridge between the general service work, which in the industry we like to call it, you know, the gravy work, into drivability and sensors and ignition. And we're going to focus on those two areas to create another ignition specialist and another sensor specialist through the shop squad program
2: uh, in that shop
4: for that tech.
2: Are, Are there other topics besides ignition in the training offerings from NGK?
4: Yes, there is. So obviously the, uh, the NGK branding through spark plugs and ignition side is our, our, is our strength, but uh, the co-strength is along with uh, sensors, oxygen sensors, mass airflow sensors, cam and crank sensors. So uh, we're set up to provide training to create more sensor specialists along with ignition specialists out there in the in the field.
2: All right. And you know, maybe you're a service advisor in a shop. All right, you know, and or, or maybe you're that person at home and you just want to learn about working on your own car. Can they can they get involved in, and learn from the technical training and, and, and the things from shop squad?
4: Well, they're definitely gonna be a beneficiary of it because um, that's why we termed it shop squad because we want to make sure that the professionals keep their edge. In order to effectively continue to fix their cars, and for those that are interested in you know doing certain things on a DIY level too, um, just go on ngksparkplugs.com. There's information for them to pull from there as well. or Frequently asked questions, uh, but the shop squad aspect of it is for to have them more of a beneficiary, so that we could focus on the the professional side of the business on that in that regard.
2: You know when I was when I was looking at shop squad. Um, some of the things you have is you have like a you know shop squad community uh, correct me if i'm wrong uh, you know uh, talking about you know i've got this problem does anybody else have this problem and then everybody kind of joins in and, and looks at it and talks about it right yeah yes. and yes. and you know what sort of benefit are you seeing from that because it's shop squad's been out there a while now or you know i'm sure you're getting some great reviews people are very pleased to see that
4: yes and, and surprisingly we're getting more feedback in our in person, uh, tech training classes. And remember, our, our training is not just for the, the shop uh, technical side, but it's also for the service advisor, shop manager, and also the professional parts supplier. Uh, we keep them up to speed with the technologies as well. So when they call for parts, they are able to show them any type of additional information, along with if they uh, call for a sensor, and letting them know because NGK will educate, but the park side is saying, "Hey, the sensor needs to be calibrated." Just as a reminder, so we're on both sides of the fence there, and um, they could pull from the community feedback, along with, you know, having that networking experience in our in-person training classes.
2: One of the night, one of the really nice things that you that you do on the on the website, um, and in the shop squad community is, uh, for example, just last week in the shop, I needed to look up a, an accelerator pedal position sensor for, I think it was an 09 or a 10 Chevy Colorado. And there was some discrepancies on, you know, how many wire pin connector it was and, and things like that. You, you actually got pictures on the website of parts showing you, you know, how this part's supposed to look or, um, you know, layout configuration and I, I, you're the only ones that are doing that. I mean, actual pictures, not not drawings, but actual photographs of what the component's yeah. supposed to look like. And, you know, sometimes you're under the hood and you're looking for this this widget. What does it look like? Well, boom, go look up the part. Oh, gee, I'm looking for this. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you're a newbie and you want to learn, I mean, I, I just thought it was great. It's, it's an elementary part of it, but it's it's there, and I think it's something for people to take advantage of, whether they realize it or not.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And if they don't want to go to that, to the actual website, we have an app called uh, called the uh, um, a, a Pots Finder app, and it actually uh, from your phone will be able to receive installation guidance uh, and um, everything you just mentioned, right as well.
2: Right, perfect. Well, listen, Philip, I uh, I appreciate you taking the time, and I'm I'm glad to sit here and talk with you about Shop Squad. I think everybody needs to get out there and take a look at it. What's the website for the listeners?
4: The website is com, and also com. So we are looking forward to see uh, many of you uh, sign up for Squad and be able to
2: support you. And and it's just a simple matter of signing up, email address. Um, I don't believe there's a cost involved, right? This is something out there for the masses?
4: Uh, yes, the course uh, is being absorbed. It's always cost involved. <laughs> but to the end user... Uh, these members of shops uh, signing up, it will not be it will not be translated to you. So, right. w- just by them continuing to purchase NGK products, this is the, the one of the benefits of it.
2: Right. So another example of how NGK is supporting the industry, um, and I think yes. that's great. I compliment you guys. So, Philip yeah. Austin, Manager Thank Technical you. Training NGK NTK, we're glad to have you with us here today, and uh, thanks for taking yeah. the time. Again, real quick, the website one more time. Is shop squad online.com. Perfect. Philip, you have a great rest of the day. I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
1: At PurdueGlobal.
2: Welcome back, name the car doctor again. Thanks to Philip Austin, manager of technical training, NGK and TK. I can't stress enough the, the need for technical training and the companies that are, you know, they're they're taking the reins and they realize that in order to keep the industry growing. They've got to provide training in NGK. Not all companies are doing it. NGK is doing a really great job, and uh, we commend them for it. Quick piece of email. This comes to us from Dave in Matthews, North Carolina. Ron, been listening a long time, and I've always taken your advice. I use PB Blaster, K-Seal, and Berryman Fuel System Cleaner on a regular basis. In fact, the Chem Tool Cleaner is part of every oil change in our vehicles. Question, do you recommend a regular fuel additive? I've been using Lucas upper cylinder lubricant with every tank of gas and don't really know if it's doing anything beneficial. My 1997 Chevy C-1500 just clocked 367,000 miles and has never had the valve covers off. Still gets good compression, doesn't burn any oil, and starts quickly every time. The claim Lucas makes is that it's not a solvent but a detergent, more importantly, a lubricant, and that may be the reason the truck is on the original injectors and only on its third fuel pump after all these years and miles. Your thoughts? Um Listen, part of me is looking at this and I'm. It, it's saying, you know what, Dave, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, the one thing I'd like to point out, though, is Berryman makes a lot of different fuel system cleaners, and I'm not sure which one you're using. They also make upper end lubricants. They make crankcase cleaners. You know, I like the Berryman family. Uh, truth be told, I'm not saying anything bad about Lucas, but I, I, you know, we do use some Lucas products in the shop. We like their hub oil, we like their power steering uh, additive, and their transmission additive in certain applications. But when it comes to fuel system cleaners, I'm really fussy because fuel system cleaners, anything fuel related. I mean, geez, fuel changes so quickly. Uh, you know, this week alone, I received more than a few Phone calls and emails from people that are complaining about fuel economy and mileage. And uh, one fellow is up in Canada and he's talking about his ride. Hey, he's seen his fuel economy drop. I think it was like from 44 to 36 miles per gallon and he can't understand why. And my first thought is have they changed the blend or any of the proprietary additives to whatever brand of fuel he's using? Fuel changes, it changed since I started talking about it. All right. That being said, I'm buying engineering, I'm buying. technology when it comes to the fuel system uh, cleaner that I'm using, whatever it is, and whatever part of the engine that I'm attacking or trying to keep clean. There's a really great video on the Berryman website. If you go out to BerrymanProducts.com, and sometimes I look at it, I just watch it just because it kind of makes me giggle that, you know, they take all the competitive fuel system cleaners in the marketplace and they pour them through a styrofoam cup. Berryman's the only one that dissolves it. And I, I always think about that video because that shows the cleaning power of what Berryman can do, that they've got that that ability to safely dispose of and clean contaminants in the fuel system. So I'm going to tell you, Dave, that, you know, the only thing I would add to this is Berryman Fuel System Cleaner, you know, which one? Um, I like their version with Hest, and then I like their fuel system cleaning kits where they've got, it's real simple, their their kit, it's a it's a... It's a stepped process. You can buy it with their tank cleaner, their oil cleaner, and then the fuel system additive package, or you can buy it as just their separate fuel system cleaner, where you're going to hook up. There's um, several different adapters in there depending upon if you're a four-cylinder, six-cylinder, or V8 engine, and it will control and do a metered fuel system cleaning. Uh, you know, based on what you what orifice you put in there. Um, to do that on a regular basis and then add their Berryman fuel system product with HEST, High Energy Solvent Technology, uh, to the tank on a regular basis. And uh, that would be the only other thing I could see changing here, Dave. Um, but again, what you're doing is working. I'm just trying to tweak it a little bit and make it a little bit better and try and get you the 500,000-mile mark, which uh, the way you're going. I think you've got a good chance of doing that. So, And uh, I appreciate all your support. I appreciate you listening down there in Matthews, North Carolina. Well... That wraps up this hour. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anady and in the Car Doctor reminding all of you the mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.
0: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
3: Zumo Play.